You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 328 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from Phillips Arena on this fine Monday evening as the Atlanta Hawks picked up a 104-90 victory over the Utah Jazz. A very interesting game, a pretty ugly first half, a much more entertaining second half here at the arena. But before we get into the game, as we always do, if you're a new listener, what we definitely do after home games is that I will record live from the arena, get a little bit more of a fresh perspective on what on what took place on the floor and, of course, a lot of other things. With some background noise, so please forgive us there. If you hear anything in the background, it's because we're actually in the arena as we speak. Um, with that said, there's a couple of news items to get to. Um, first, first of all, uh, DeAndre Bembry, who uh, actually was recalled this week alongside this weekend, I should say, alongside Isaiah Taylor and Tyler Cavanaugh, was uh, inactive for this game with an injury. Uh, he actually missed Saturday's game after Mike Budnolzer indicated that he was likely to play uh, in Erie on Saturday. Uh, he actually ended up sitting, sitting out that game, was still recalled, but was not available. He was ruled out before the game even began with the injury, and uh, we asked Bud pregame about Bembry's status. He indicated that uh, he was still not, still not quite 100% yet, sort of a learning, uh, sort of a, a growth process there. I get the feeling that he probably could push it a little bit. Um, he, he did play, of course, in the G League on Friday evening, but still um, no reason to do that just now, so just an update there. He is back in Atlanta. He was, in, he was on the bench in street clothes uh, on Monday night, but he was not going to be available, at least um, for tonight. We'll see We'll see about Wednesday. I'd be pretty surprised based on the way things looked today if he was actually uh, on the floor and playing on Wednesday, but I could be wrong, and we'll have something, uh, obviously have an eye on that coming up on Wednesday. Uh, elsewhere, uh, before we actually get into the game, uh, there was a report from David Aldridge of NBA.com, a, uh, a long-trusted source of NBA material on Monday morning in his uh, huge morning tip column, uh, a reference to Kent Bazemore being available, um, and, and and of course, uh, actually some specific interest uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, not a big surprise there. We actually talked about that a little bit on a couple of other podcasts and some writing and some Twitter stuff about the Cavs being sort of an interesting landing spot for Bazemore. With that said, uh, you know it, it can be complicated in a lot of ways for Cleveland to go out and pay for Kent Bazemore in trade, match salary, do all that fun stuff if you're the Hawks. Also, uh, late into the night here on Monday, an Adrian Wojnarowski bomb of some sort actually uh, indicates that the uh, the kind of situation is even worse than originally thought. There's some Kevin Love stuff, and this was, I guess people were accusing him of a uh, of a fake illness. Uh, a lot a lot of weirdness coming out of Cleveland. But with that said, uh, they are apparently at least semi interested in Kent Bazemore, so we'll keep an eye on that being a thing. I, I do think that's probably still unlikely at this point in time, but it did come to fruition. So with that said, wanted to go at least get it out there and, and discuss it a little bit. You know, Bays, um, there is there is some ways for the Hawks to make that make that deal work if they were to take back him on Shumper and Channing Fry, for instance, um, with, with a sweetener of, say, Shetty Osman or Cleveland's own first-round pick. Um, there's, there's a couple of permutations that actually work for Baysmore. I still think he's, an, he's a slightly negative asset, but still – one of those things where I think the Hawks would be, uh, you know, willing to move him. Uh, with that said, I'm not sure you want to take back a lot of bad salary. So, you know, Shump's pretty pretty bad salary, but still he actually is. It's one year or less and a lot cheaper than Bazemore. So if the entire goal would be to clear that money, you could see uh, the impetus there. Uh, if nothing else, it's something to talk about and think about over the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline. Uh, with that said, we get into the actual festivities here. Again, I mentioned before, the Hawks got a 104-90 to victory over the Jazz. Um, the first half was pretty brutal, honestly, on this fine Monday night. The Jazz did not score until the 648 mark of the first quarter. They started 0 of 10 from the floor. The Hawks only had an 8-0 lead, though, because they really struggled on offense as well in that first period. Uh, promptly, the Jazz ran off a 11-2 run to take the lead. And then from, the, from there, it was kind of back and forth in the entire first half. 
The Hawks played 12 guys in the first 13:30 of this game. Uh, uh, some of that's because Torian Prince actually um, decided to uh, get two fouls early on in the game. Obviously, not, that's not his fault necessarily. But one of those things where uh, Torian is kind of the only guy who is irreplaceable on this roster, and the fact that he's really the only uh, true small forward on the entire roster right now. I mean, you guys, you have guys like Marco Bellinelli and Kent Bazemore who have played there at times, but in terms of actual two-way small forwards. It's basically just Torian and prayer uh, after that, um, as evidenced tonight by the fact that uh, Bud actually went to Luke Babbitt as, as a small forward at times, which he actually did speak to after the game, saying that because everybody's healthy in the front court, they've sort of been practicing with Babbitt at small forward at times, so he was a little, at least a little bit prepared for that, but in the same breath, not exactly ideal defensively to have Babbitt be playing small forward. Still, uh, playing 12 guys in 13 minutes uh, in, in the first half of a game that was competitive is not, not something you see every day, and that's something that I w at least wanted to note uh, as the Hawks sort of cleared their bench a little bit. Um, still, also one other noteworthy uh, item is that Malcolm Delaney, who played very well in this game, we'll talk about him a little bit later on the podcast, uh, he actually came back into the game and closed the first half with about four minutes to go. Um, and in the, in the first half especially, the offense was night and day when it came to playing with Delaney at point guard and playing with Dennis Schroeder at point guard. And really throughout the night, Dennis Schroeder's performance basically waxed and waned, um, <laughs> basically, basically as to whether Rudy Gobert was on the court or not. Uh, Gobert is, of course, uh, probably the league's best rim protector when healthy, and he uh, was giving Dennis a lot of fits around the rim. Um, in the second half, Dennis was definitely better. We'll talk about that, of course. But uh, Malcolm was very, very good in this game, especially in the first half. And uh, he was uh, able to help, help the Hawks sort of stay afloat offensively prior to halftime. Still about a 90 offensive rating for both teams at the half. The Hawks actually had a one-point lead after a scoring correction. It was 42-41 at the break. Um, but from that point forward, it's basically all Hawks. Uh, the Hawks. The Hawks closed the third quarter on a 13-3 run and then began the fourth on a 12-0 run. So a 25-3 overall spurt for the Hawks. That was basically the beginning, middle, of the, and the end of the game here. As it was back and forth until that point. But from that point forward, it was basically over as the Hawks stretched their lead to up, up, up to, almost, up to uh, 26 points at one point in the fourth quarter before surrendering a lot of that in garbage time. But it was never... It it was never competitive, and frankly, the 14-point margin was not exactly indicative of the fourth-quarter uh, battle because it was pretty much over from about the uh, first three or four minutes of the fourth quarter on. Uh, obviously, the best stretch of the night was that 25 to three run, but um, you know there were some encouraging signs kind of all over the place in this, especially in the second half. And we'll talk about those a lot as we get into the individual players on this fine evening. Uh, we'll start with the bench in this game, where every single player that was active for the Hawks played. Uh, Tyler Cavanaugh was the inactive alongside DeAndre Bembry, and Isaiah Taylor was the only guy who did not play real minutes. He did, he, he did play the last four minutes of the game, had three assists, um, and didn't really, did not take, did not actually attempt a shot. But uh, he was the 13th player, certainly out of 13. Everybody else played real rotation minutes in this contest. Tyler Dorsey had a really nice dunk late in the game. Didn't play a ton. Only 11 minutes was uh, 2 or 3 from the floor, 5 points and 2 rebounds, but uh, looked fine in his minutes and, of course, had that nice highlight. Uh, Marco Bellinelli had 11 points on ten on 5 of 10 shooting. Uh, he was not great, as, as usual, honestly, in my opinion, because his defense is sort of unplayable, but he wasn't awful in this game. Actually gave some decent effort defensively at times. Uh, Delaney, I thought, was uh, was very, very good, as I mentioned before. It, it was a plus 25 in this game in 24 minutes. It's not all him, of course, but 7 points, 8 assists for Malcolm to uh, easily lead the team. Nobody else on the team had more more than three assists in this game, and he was two of five from the floor, two of two from three. Bud praised his uh, sort of his uh, his grit and the fact that his, you know his IQ, his his readiness, his awareness after the game. Uh, it was clear that Bud was uh, very impressed by the way Malcolm had played in this game, and there was a reason why. Uh, you know, again, not uh, I would I would not dare to credit the entire plus twenty five to his play, but there was a reason why the Hawks were better with him on the court this, uh, on this fine evening. It's because he was uh, very good on both ends of the floor. Um, 
Uh, Dwayne Dedman, 21, 21 minutes of play, was 3 of 10 from the floor, so not exactly efficient, but 7 points and 9 rebounds. He's certainly a better uh, player than uh, Miles Plumlee. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Luke Babbitt, 11 minutes, had 5 points and 3 rebounds. So, you know, defensively, a lot of issues. He had 4 fouls, and uh, someone named Royce O'Neal, who I'd never heard of in my life, to be candid, um, had a big game for the Jazz, uh, partially because of the fact that he was being guarded by Luke Babbitt in the first half. But still, you know, Babbitt gave good effort. I mean, there's only so much you can ask him to do defensively as a small forward, and he at least made a shot which is kind of why he'd be out there offensively. Mike Muscala had a very nice game. It was a plus 17 in 16 minutes, six points, four rebounds, and a three or four from the floor. Uh, Muscala just kind of does all the little things that you want him to do. I think, uh, you know, again, you know, my, my uh, perfect alignment of, of the front court, he'd probably be the fourth big, but still I think Muscala is a very valuable piece to have sort of in a, in a, in a do-everything sort of filler role, and that's something that he does well. It does not necessarily need the ball to succeed, which is what you want to see from a guy in that particular role. Uh, John Collins, last but not least, on the bench was very, very good, I thought, here. Eight points, seven rebounds, did not take any and it did not take a shot in the first half. I thought actually was very, very good. Uh, I, I, I definitely want him to take more shots and have the ball in his hands more often. Um, on this night, though, I will say it was not exactly his fault. He was not being fed in a lot of ways by the Hawks perimeter players. Still, uh, he, made, he, made, he managed to make an impact on the game, played good defense, had a uh, one, one highlight real block, but really remounted the ball well. Had a, very, had a couple of very nice passes out of a short roll. I thought Collins was very good here. Uh, 21 minutes. Um, not gonna, you know, not overly upset about that necessarily. You know, some of the garbage time he could he could have played more in this game, but still, I thought he played well and uh, was deployed for the most part correctly. I wish they would have used him a little bit more offensively though in the first half. Uh, moving on to the starting five in this game, Kent Bazemore, 11 points and two steals. Was plus 13, was 4 of 9 from the floor, and 3 of 5 from 3. Of course, uh, mentioning, mentioning him in, in conjunction with, with the Cavaliers uh, trade stuff, but, uh, you know, Kent continues to play pretty well, honestly. And um, for me, for you know, for, uh, it'd be pretty easy to argue that Kent's been the best player on the team this year. I wouldn't argue that necessarily, but he's been he's been pretty darn good and really stuffed stuff in the stat sheet a lot. Definitely playing better this year than he did, than he did a year ago and uh, living up more to that contract. Obviously, he's still overpaid. But, uh, I mean, I sort, I sort of need to probably, <laughs> at this point in time, uh, it's sort of worth discussing. The contract because of the fact that it's trade deadline season. But once we get past the trade deadline in February, I look forward to moving away from the contract stuff with Bays and just talking about him as a player um, for the most part, and at least until the summer when all that stuff starts up again. But um, from February to uh, you know mid-April or May, he just becomes an actual basketball player on your roster, and uh, there you go with that. Kent's been very good this year for the most part. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, 20 points to lead all scorers um, for both teams, actually. Uh, 20 points, two assists, and a rebound, and two turnovers for for Dennis. I don't, th I don't think he was very good here. He was was instrumental in the huge run and sort of creating a lot of stuff off the dribble uh, that coincided not, uh, not coincidentally with the fact that um Rudy Gobert was off the court, uh, but he managed to be, come back and be a plus four in this game. Was seven of eighteen from the floor, though, uh, not not very efficient, and again was brutal in the first half for the most part. But did did play well uh, during that one stretch, which sort of saved his bacon from being a really really bad performance. I was ready to sort of skewer him a little bit on the pod today, but uh, he ended up sort of saving that with a, with a positive with a positive second half, and that's worth noting for sure. Uh, Miles Plumley, ten minutes, two points, and four rebounds. He was pretty much buried after his second stint, which is which is the right move. Uh, there was at one point where it was very clear that Bud was upset with him actually sort of followed him down the bench to sort of chew him, a lot, chew him out a little bit. I'm too far away to know what he was actually saying, but it was very clear that Bud was addressing Plumlee with something other than pleasantries um, after, he, after, he, after he exited the game still. 
Uh, I have a thought, maybe fleeting as it was, that he might have. Uh, it might have been time for uh, you know maybe Devin or Collins to to supplant him as starting five. We'll see on Wednesday how that how that goes here. Of course, the Hawks won this game, uh, which might deter Bud from doing that. I think it's definitely time though um, for me. Um, there's pretty much no reason to play Plum, to play Plumlee at all, uh, much less start him with everybody healthy. Uh, so I, I know I'm sort of sounding like a broken record if you're if you're a returning listener. This is not this is not a new theme for me, but um, if you look at the roster as it is, he's probably the worst big man available. It's either Tim, it's either him or Tyler Cavanaugh for that honor. And Cavanaugh was inactive here. I do I do think you know Plumlee's making a lot of money, but at some, at, at some point, um, the the notion of sort of getting him out there for trade purposes is not really a thing, frankly. So go ahead and play Deadman. Go ahead and play Collins a lot more minutes and even Mescal a little bit. I would not. Um, I mean, I probably still would still I would still mention it, but if Collins and uh, Devin were, were playing more and Plumlee was some some you know basically in a plain backup center role, it wouldn't be quite as egregious. And I'd still like to see him play uh, behind uh, Mike Muscala, but still, it is absolutely time to be playing, uh, especially especially Collins, but even Devin. I think Devin. Um, you, you know, if you if you want to tell me that Devin should be the starting center right now, I would not argue with that necessarily. I think Collins is obviously more in the long term plans. Uh, I just want to see that those guys play a lot more and have the have the minutes taken away from Plumlee. Um, finally, uh, Ursula Nisova, five points and 11 rebounds. Uh, Bub's complimentary of his uh, sort of do-everything play in the front court. Only, t- only, t- only attempted four shots, actually missed both of his three-point percent, uh, three-point attempts in this game. But still, Ursula, I thought, played pretty well. And finally, Torian Prince, 17 points, three assists and three steals in a bounce-back performance, 25 minutes for Torian. He was 6 of 11 from the floor and 2 of 4 from 3. It has been a while since Torian played well, frankly, and uh, I asked about that after the game. Bud um, was definitely uh, pretty clear that he was, uh, you know, sort of the Hawks were a different team when, when Torian plays well. In the previous uh, four games, Torian had shot 0 for, 0 4, 1 of 5, 3 of 9, and 3 of 6 in, uh, in those four contests. And it's not, it was not only the shooting. He basically was just uh, invisible for the most part on both ends of the floor. Bud praised his defense in this game. I thought he gave good effort defensively. And especially after he picked up those two fouls and came back in late in the first half, uh, it was a new player for Torian. Basically a new reinvigorated uh, guy on both ends of the floor, especially off the dribble. Got to the rim a lot. Had a really nice sort of ferocious finish in, the, in, the, in, in transition when he probably could have passed it, but ended up just going, going straight to the rim. And and while it probably wasn't the right play, honestly, he managed to he managed to finish it and did so with ferocity. So I like the way that Torian played a lot in this game, especially the last uh, you know two and a half quarters or so. And hopefully that will translate moving forward because that's that's the guy that you want to see. Is the guy you you definitely did see at various points early on in the season that sort of went away recently. So nice to see him have a very, have a very good game there, and everybody sort of recognized that um, you know after the game, including Bud. So, um, with that said, the Hawks are now uh, a game ahead of the Sacramento Kings, who lost on this fine evening. And uh, with that, you know, that basically means the Hawks are not, are not in the driver's seat anymore for the number one pick. Uh, the Kings are far worse than the Hawks. I'll be honest about that. Uh, and the Hawks, uh, we're going to have a hard time holding, holding on to their quote-unquote lead when it came to the tanking race because the Kings are the worst team in the league on offense and the worst team in the league on defense. That's a very difficult combination to quote-unquote beat um, for the for the tanking race. And the Hawks, of course, having this long homestand, taking advantage of it with some wins here. Um, with that said though uh, the Raptors come in on Wednesday the Raptors are already in town so I have a, I have a hard time believing the Hawks are going to be able to hold serve against the Raptors team that's going to be focused you would imagine on the task at hand on Wednesday but still it's a home game the Hawks have played very very well at home this season they're, they're only they're only 10 of they're only 10 and 13 at home whereas they're 4 and 19 away from Phillips Arena so a very different team here within the front of the confines of Phillips and uh, we'll see how that looks on Wednesday against the Raptors 
Um, all that to say, thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, I really appreciate the listenership. This is a fun game in the second half. The first half was, frankly, brutal to watch on all counts, but uh, it was good to see the Hawks sort of explode. I understand that uh, the tanking folks didn't necessarily enjoy it, but every once in a while, it's good to see that a team run off a 25-3 to run in your presence, and it was a lot of fun when they had it cooking there in the third and fourth quarter. So uh, stay, stay tuned. We'll definitely be back on tomorrow uh, with another podcast. I'm not sure what that's going to be in, uh, entailing just yet. I have a couple of uh, ideas for guests lined up and a couple of feelers out there. So if nothing else, you'll have me. Hopefully we'll have a guest, and, if, uh, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday morning for that podcast. So please stay tuned for that.